Hi, and welcome to the Productize Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, you can find the Productize Podcast from your favorite podcast player app, and you can subscribe from there. This is our show where we talk with productizers and innovators and cover the stories behind great product experiences and why it matters to innovators and makers like you. Hi, guys. The Productize Podcast is live. And today, um, I'm really, really happy because for the first time, we actually have a very special person today here in the studio. So today, um, today's episode is episode 89, From Computer Graphics to Lisbon's Uni, a life in computer science education with Miguel Salles Dias. And as you know, the Productized podcast is produced by Productized. We, we are organizing a series of interviews with product innovators, successful makers, and entrepreneurs. And we hope those who listen to the ideas on this show are inspired to action. For show notes and additional resources related to today's podcast, visit us at productized.medium.com. So this is the 89th episode of the Productized podcast, and this is also a super episode because it's going to be a little bit longer than usual. And, you know, our mission is to inspire people to impactful action. And my name is Andre Marquis. I'm your host. Today, I'm talking with Miguel, Miguel Salz-Diez, who has over 30 years of experience with more than 10 in industry, leading research and development and business development. Professor Miguel Salz-Diez holds a BSc um, in 18, uh, 1985 in electrical engineering, um, an MSc, a master's in uh, electrical computer engineering from uh, both from Instituto Superior Tecnico um, and a PhD um, in information science and technology a major in com- with a major in computer graphics and multimedia from ISCTE. He's also um, an associate professor with habilitation, teaching and conducting research in computer graphics, virtual and augmented reality, ambient-assisted living, human-computer interaction, design thinking, and, and uh, operating systems. He was an invited uh, associate professor at Nova IMS, teaching human-computer inform- interaction in the information systems degree. He is the author of one patent, author and co-author, or editor of 15 scientific books or journal editions, 17 indexed journal papers, 38 indexed book chapters, and 171 other publications, workshops, or keynotes in international conferences. Since 1992, Miguel participated in numerous international R&D projects and is also an accomplished R&D funding expert, having raised over 12 million euros for several research projects. He obtained seven scientific prizes, is a member of the ACM CGRAPH, Eurographics, ISCA, and IEEE editorial boards of several journals, several IPCs of national and international conferences in computer graphics, virtual and augmented reality, speech, accessibility, and ambient assisted living. Past president of ADETI, ISCTE, UL's R&D Center, Miguel is a founder of Big Citizen, a cloud service provider of home, telehealth, and business developer at Indicio Solutions, a B2B cloud service provider of spoken communication, data communication intelligence, and big data analytics. 
Miguel was born on December 1st, 1961, and in his free time, he loves traveling with his family to cultural heritage cities and sites, skiing and history. He's also a happy father of one girl, one adult lady, and one adult man. And I had the pleasure to be at Miguel's 60th birthday last week. So, Miguel, it's, a, it's really a pleasure to have you with us. Thank How are you? you? How very are you well, very well. I'm here with friends, with a good beer, <laughs> warm, warmer than outside, so I'm really cool. Thank you. Okay, so let's dive in. So how, uh, you know, are, are, you, are you, you, I guess you're, you're a geek in computer science. So what is your industry in this, in, in this, sorry, what is your interest in this industry? And I'm really curious at what age you become industry, interested in this field mm. and, um, and how, you know, anyone in your youth influences, influenced you going in this path. Well, thank you, Andre. Um, well, you know, I, I, I came from a family of engineers, right? Okay. Um, so you're telling so, me your yeah, father was an my, engineer. Yeah, electrotechnical and my mother, chemistry. Oh, really? Right. And so, and, and additionally, I got, I got, for some reason, fond of physics and maths. So that helped a, a bit. However, I was, I was also interested in um, geography and history. Uh, and, and and a bit of economy. So at some point, I, I had some doubts of uh, going like through more social sciences or um, you know um, like like maths or engineering. And in the end, I end up in the in that in that path because because I mean I was really fond of the the basis. That 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 was why. So you were you were telling me that your your father used to work at uh, Raret, right? Where, which has you know, if we we were having yeah. this conversation six months ago, nobody at least here in Portugal would, would know what it is. Exactly. Now I guess lots of people know because it has been made famous by the Netflix series uh, Gloria. Where correct. So um, for those on, that don't know, Raret is or was a retransmission center. That was built by the Americans during the Cold War exactly. to make sure that the people behind the, the Iron Curtain uh, were having access to information from the Western, Western, the the Western, Western side. world. Yeah, correct. And it, it was installed in Portugal for technical reasons because this was at, at a good distance to propagate shortwave signals to, exactly. to those countries. Um, and your father had the exact same profession that the the hero of the series. Correct. Has, right? So yeah, He's my father was. There. Yeah, my father actually uh, was one of the top uh, students in in his course. Like yeah, the top two or top three. So he was also an electrical engineer. Exactly, and so on telecommunications, mm. and so yeah, at some point he was he was he got that that position uh, on the team that designed and installed the the, the transmission systems that we see in the movie. Uh, and so, actually, my, the job of my father was around in the same environment as the hero, and he was living in one of the, those type of homes. Right. Yeah, it, but ten years before. Ten years before. Yeah. And so I, with, I no connections to the communist party. <laughs> not that I know of. <laughs> okay. No. Is your father still alive? No, no, he's he passed okay. away. You cannot ask him. No. All right. So. <laughs> Looking back, would you change anything in your decision? Uh, did you ever consider any other career paths? I mean, you have had a very eclectic 
career at the end, right? It's, you have done lots of things, but um, yeah. Well, when when I joined Technico, I mean, I was I was really convinced that that was uh, the 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 trend. Although during the course, I, I remember that we had also uh, in the last year some uh, management and economy uh, courses where I realized well, maybe it would be a good idea to have like an MBA or looking into the business side of things. Yeah. Those Which, were the days back in the 80s, right? Exactly, because there, there was this notion that uh, at some point, you know, engineering and management could, could uh, touch at some point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you ended up not going that well, that way. not really. But uh, in fact, at, but at some point, I was also a, a board member of the the Portuguese Energy Agency, which is uh, a couple of year, or years ago I did a mandate there, which is actually a management position, and the, the institution is like hybrid, and so I ended up doing a, an executive program in Catolica, which was really good. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. in in 2019. I, I did. I did one, which was super. Uh, and um, which one, by the way? The PAGE, the the program, advanced program for executive. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, so. speaking about uh, programs, uh, you are actually a professor in the Department of Sciences and uh, <laughs> well, Information Technology at Correct. HTA, which yeah. is also my alma mater. Yeah. How do you enjoy working as a professor at university? So, uh, <clears throat> in my path, I um, I started in university um, early, eighty seven, and then I did all my career until two thousand and five there. Then I joined Microsoft for eleven years, and then the, the, yeah. the Portuguese agency for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So I I got back to the university one year ago. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm really having fun because I mean uh, currently. I'm doing I'm doing a lecturing in the first years, so students of the first year and uh, of masters and and PhD. So I I, I get different uh, you know perspectives, different crowds, and it's it's nice. I I, I think um, you know after some years in the, in the, with the career we should look into the youngsters uh, with a different uh, view, yeah. uh, looking at their paths that are just about to start. And also, by the end, when they are like in doing their th- master or PhD thesis, absolutely. So I'm having fun. All right, good. <laughs> so, did you did you used to bring work home and teach your own children computer science as well? Well, I mean, I tried, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but not probably with um, uh, much success. But mind you that in any case, my elder uh, decided to go at some point to uh, to the engineering path. So he's now a data scientist. Where, at uh, some uh, in his uh, path, he wanted to be first a cook, and then a kickboxing uh, professional. And so now he's a data scientist. So I think I might have had some influence there. Okay. And how have you (laughs) been able to juggle between parenting and such a professional challenging career? Um, Would you have done anything different? Well, yeah, I mean, there were there were uh, various challenges, especially in the in my eleven years at Microsoft, where uh, uh, so I was heading a remote development center in Europe, based in in Lisbon, but also with offices in Porto and, and some other countries in Europe. Uh, and uh, 
it, it turns out that I had projects with uh, Beijing, eight, eight hours apart. So at some point I had meetings at uh, 10 o'clock with Beijing. And uh, we, we, meetings with, with uh, Redmond and, and Bellevue started at 4 o'clock and lasted until 8. And that was sustained during, uh, during 11 years. So I, I, I recognized that it was uh, you know, some, some hours out of the, of the contact with the family that, um, that had some impact. But would you have done it differently in retrospective? Well, I could, yeah, maybe I could have done more, you know, American, because, uh, you know, I had meetings with, with the U.S. from 4 o'clock until 8, 9 every day. And so I might, I might have had those at home mm-hmm. at some point, uh, probably. Like everyone is li- li- doing, like doing nowadays. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm, I was very used to uh, online meetings for many years, of course. That was... Of course. So, still on a personal note, um, are you excited about the upcoming ski season? Any plans yet? Yeah, so ski is, is a big passion. Um, the The thing of this pandemic situation didn't, didn't help much. I've been, uh, yeah, so uh, historically, I've, uh, I've, uh, my, some of my friends and me went to like uh, places like Sierra Nevada or the Pyrenees, sometimes the Alps. So Sierra Nevada was really... Uh, you know, very common. But we'll see. I will see how it goes. Maybe to the Pyrenees. We'll see. All right. So I know that you are also an history geek. Uh, You read lots about history. I like history. So which historical period are you most interested (laughs) in and why? Yeah, well, (laughs) that's that's interesting. Um, So I I like especially Portuguese history. Okay, and uh, I find some periods that are interesting. For example, the Restoration period. Okay. Okay. So the period where uh, 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 from from you were uh, born in Restoration Day, and actually I was born in Restoration <laughs> Day, but that was a question. But it's interesting because it's a, a, a very complex uh, after John the Fourth. Uh, was acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, we went in, into 26, 28 years of, of war with Spain, and there were a lot of political turmoil with with the Dutch, with the French, with the English, uh, with the Spanish. Um, the the also the situation of our um, you know um, maritime expansions right. and possessions. It was interesting. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let me do this first intermission now. We, had, we, we talk about history and let me talk let me tell you about um, <clears throat> the fact that if you are interested in specific topics for productize this year we are preparing an excellent lineup of courses and workshops but we want you to be part of it so please fill in the form in the chat on YouTube or um, maybe in the podcast description if you're not watching this live and help us to choose the most interesting topics that you feel at struggle in your professional product life for 2022 because we want to invite the best people to give those workshops and we want you to be able to attend those those topics. All right, back to our interview. Um, so you went to computer graphics with your uh, colleague, technical colleague, Pedro Faria Lopes, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess he's, he ended up also being a colleague at Inesk then. Yes. And he told me uh, you thought that you would be working on CPU design. 
So how did Correct. you get into this early field, almost seminal field of computer graphics in the, the early 80s? Yeah, well, you know, uh, when when I was uh, finalizing uh, the technical degree, the engineering degree, uh, that's when, um, in the mid, Inesk was founded in 1980. So I, I was really fond of Inesk because it was a research, uh, novel research Unit in the, in the in the image of the of the American the, you know style uh, private funding projects etc. And I did a final course project on the simulation of uh, CPU, the Intel 8085. We did a logical simulation etc. So I thought so I was really uh, you know enthusiastic about that. So I thought that I went uh, when I started the masters in uh, technical, which was really cool. I had the very good professors like uh, um, Luis Vidigal um, and uh, Mario Rui Gomes, uh, Tribolet, etc. And so I thought I was doing microelectronics, integrated circuit design, CPU design. But suddenly I met, I, had, I was already a friend of, of Pedro, and Pedro uh, was moving from uh, traditional movie pictures to computer graphics movies. So at that time, Pedro so, was also a colleague of yours at Technical. Yes, and and then at the Master. So I joined with him, and then he brought so me into computer he's graphics. He's the one to blame for taking you from uh, uh, CPU design into computer graphics, correct? Right. And why why was he already doing computer graphics? Well, uh, well, yeah. I mean, he's a friend for, for long, so he he has a, he was he had a background on the movies. All right. Yeah. So he was doing small movies, etc., and he was also interested in in the in he did the first experiments with with computer graphics in movies, and so he ended up me and him did the, the first uh, computer three D computer graphics movie. Okay, in so Portugal. this is this is the movie um, Andre and Wally B from uh, well this is Lucasfilm, but this yeah, is the same I, people that ended up uh, you know creating Pixar. Uh-huh. So this was the state of the art, I guess, at 1984. Before. Okay, let's just mm. give a give it a, a quick Thank view. You. It's a one minute. We might not actually go through the entire video. Mm-hmm. So, have you actually uh, seen this movie? Yeah. In 1984, were you were, we, were you aware of this movie back then? Yes, that the, this was one of the references, and then also. Uh, Luxo Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the same guys, and um, th- this was U.S. Uh, yeah. So we, we see already a lot of. Uh, well, at that time, this was really cool. You know, this was the best. Yeah. <laughs> Even today, I mean, you yeah. look at this. Yeah, it, was it, it made brings emotion, the drama. Right. Yeah, uh, there is a plot. There is an empathy with the character. There is this notion of a character that uh, plays a role. And we empathize with, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but there was also an influence here in in, in Europe. Uh, the the Swedes, uh, Daniel Talman and Nadia Talman, mm-hmm. they did uh, more or less at the same a little bit early, um, a, f- a simpler movie uh, called Dream Flight, Vol de Rêve, okay. and um, that was a wife wireframe only movie. But I remember Can you that tell me the names, or uh, Vol de Rêve. I think I sent you that, that reference. Yeah. Uh, Volderev uh, Dream Flight. Dream Flight. Yeah. Nadia. 
Tao, man. Daniel. Yeah. Let's see if we find it. Yeah. So, I mean, might be not yeah. so easy to find it anyways. But uh, Tal, we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll go. put this on, on the, the references. Don't worry. And so, and so the, 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 I, I really remember the first time I saw, I was really impressed. Because, uh, I mean, it had also an history and... Um, and interesting. I mean, it's how did you it's a get simple to see story. these movies? Uh, VHS tapes uh, that were circulating. Yeah. So the house? Pedro showed me. I mean, yeah, the, the, these were this, in VHS right. tapes. Yeah, ordinary tapes. So yeah. the, then you went up to produce the the first CGI movie here in Portugal with on, Pedro. Yeah, with Pedro mm -hmm. on a Data General mini computer, which is a special machine called MV8000 MV in mm -hmm. yeah. and you were actually doing this with a terminal DG. The funny thing is then when I was searching for this machine, apparently a book has been, an entire book that won the Pulitzer Prize okay. has been written about the, yeah. the construction of this machine and the book okay. is called The Soul and the New Machine by Tracy Kidder that tells the story of how two engineering teams of useful computer and designers, the micro kids and the hardy boys, Mm -hmm. Who worked under high stress days, nights, and weekends on the on the on what the company called Project Eagle. So this was internal project of development of the computer, yeah. and apparently this is still a reference book on not computer science but on people management nowadays okay. and how cool. a company creates a skunk works to to design and uh, in a in a very very uh, fast time and record time uh, a new kind of computer so this is uh, from an article uh, from the new york times um, published in yeah. 1981 but my question to you is actually how did you so those those days there was no unity, no Zero. rendering tools, no, 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 you know, they were just <laughs> so you had graphical actually... libraries like uh, the, uh, that time the graphical kernel system, which was a European graphical library, and there were there were some graphical uh, screens, but they were wide frame, so black and white type of screens. Um, so there was at that time the first raster graphics were being invented. Okay, so there were no commercial. Uh, uh, so at, uh, at 82, 83, I mean, they were starting to appear. Uh, when we were at, at Inesk at, uh, at 86, 87, there were already some, uh, some but extremely expensive. So we ended up doing our, our movie in a black and white screen, but with graphical capabilities. Okay. And this MV8, the DG MV8000 was the first computer that Inesk bought. Right. So those super minis were then adopted by the academia. Then digital equipment at the Vax, VMS, etc. So it's of the same family. So yeah, we, we developed. The, the, there was a, a team, a computer graphics team at Inesk. Uh, I, I joined, uh, um, and and the, there was a graphic pack, package called Solo, for for the MV8000, and we did the and the computer animation uh, part. Okay. In the first experimental movie. So you did the animation, but more than that, you also <coughs> did the the 3D rendering libraries in... in, in so so they, they not just me, so there was a team, uh, and, and so we, we contributed to, to that uh, rendering with the animation, with the animation part, okay? But it was wireframe, so... Um, and then, and then uh, yeah, we, we started with the, the animation. All right. Activity there. 
And I believe that you had a very funny weekend uh, searching for VHS copies uh, of some of yes. the clips in those Hurley, uh, mm-hmm. you know, videos. Last weekend. Um, and that was the state of the art, at least here in Portugal. So the video that I have here is not exactly, it's, it's more of a mashup video, which is the 10 years. Uh, uh, that was in 1980. Right. And this uh, right. nineteen This ended up being a collection of several, um, you know, several uh, no, the, animations the, that you have. No, no, you're showing the, the the full movie. This is the full movie. This is right. the full movie that celebrated the tenth anniversary of of Inesque. So let's just see what was state of the art back then. Yeah. So so this was this was fully developed by uh, the the computer graphics team of Inesque. Uh, I was not directly involved in this movie, but this was directed by Pedro. And we will see him uh, just now in in our right-hand side. Uh, So these are images of Inesh. Mm -hmm. So here here he goes. That's that's that guy that appeared Mm -hmm. in the right. Okay. And so these are landmarks of uh, Inesh projects back back then, the 10 first years. All right. So... And so this was a mixture of... uh, um, uh, software that was available and software that was developed there. Very well. So in 1990, which is when this video came mm-hmm. out, you were, I'm just going to let it play if people want to see yeah. it. You were collaborating with Inesk in the Computer Animation Research Lab, which was exactly. headed by Pedro Faria Lopes, mm-hmm. where Correct. he and the team produced this video. Um, so do you want to tell us more about how that experience went through and, and how that led to your PhD thesis. And by the mm. way, who was your supervisor? So uh, my supervisor was uh, um, uh, José Manuel Bourdão. He's a physics. He's a full professor at yep. the Faculdade de Ciências. Uh, he's expertise in opticals and laser. Mm. And so he was my master's and PhD supervisor. So supervising computer graphics. Okay. Right. So how did you go from... Optics and lasers to, to computer graphics. To computer graphics. Well, um, so I, I met him when when uh, I I want I was doing the masters. This was the eighty eighty seven most most like eighty six eighty seven, and uh, he had a project for a cat system because he developed a laser cut laser system right. for uh, apparel for for uh, garment. Uh, Okay, and so we, we needed a, a cat system to drive the laser cut. So that was my my uh, my job. So in my master thesis, I developed a full cat system with two subsystems to do the pattern design and to drive the cutting of the patterns in the laser cutting machine, which I did. Absolutely. Okay. So called the Roblash project. Roblas, and Th- that that was, that was part of a spin-off. That ended up no. Uh, so th- th- at that time, so th- that was uh, um, uh, was was a researcher at Lenetti. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I was also uh, working uh, with Lenetti at that time. So this was in my master. This was actually before I went into the into the the Inesh group, uh, and um, and so at that time in my master there was a second project doing also a, a, a CAT system for apparel. Uh, from Inesk that ended up now um, developed further as a product. And today there is a company called Mind that has technology that evolved from, from that work. 
So startup spin-offs at the time were still not so common, uh, but one of the one of these projects, I guess that one mm-hmm. specifically, ended up being uh, transformed into a CAD system for textile and, yeah. and later mm-hmm. uh, for shoe design Correct. as well, manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And that eventually led to the creation of Mine, Correct. which is a company which is, by the way, still around today, if yeah. you want to check out. Um, so was, was, you know, nowadays kids, um, they are much more inclined to understand startup opportunities out of right. research and, and development. Um, was this something crossing your mind? Well, not, not much at that time, to be honest. Uh, when, when I did my master's, uh, the conclusion, uh, it, it went well. I mean, it was a nice uh, system. Uh, there were some publications. Efasec uh, was the builder, had an interest in building the, the infrastructure, uh, and it was a sponsor of my work. Uh, but it didn't evolve into a prog- product. And so I, I realized so that maybe, the, and with the influence of Rebordão, uh, maybe the good thing would be to go into the 3D world because there was also the problem of the 3D design of, of clothing and the, the 3D um, mechanical deformation, which was a research topic at that time, uh, early 90s. So we we see today all, all those uh, Hollywood movies with, with virtual uh, 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 you know, um, Fa- characters and, and we, we, we dressed right? right. So those that technology th- was developed in, in, during the nineties. I was also a part of that effort. So that's so th- there was a direct relation between my master th- topic and my PhD topic. Right. So you you decided to continue your research your studies and research, yeah. mm-hmm. and you ended up uh, co-founding Adeti. I guess in nineteen eighty nine you became. The, the vice president and founding member of ADETI. By the way, ADETI stands for Association for the Development of Telecommunications and Computer Techniques, which That's was uh, an associated R&D center of ISCTE, uh, the brainchild of Professor, uh, sorry, Professor Augusto um, Albuquerque. Correct. Right. Um, how did uh, ADETI came through? Yeah, well... Uh, so when I um, in '87 uh, I was I got a position as an um, assistant uh, lecturer at at Ischte, uh, uh, and then I ended up s- uh, some years after uh, my, my masters I was a lecturer uh, and it, Professor Augusto Albuquerque created that that team uh, and and he designed a strategy where after our thesis. He would like us to develop our uh, research careers at Ischte. So I thought, why not? I mean, I think that I, I accept that challenge, and I decided to leave in Esk and create uh, and and and, and uh, have um, you know um, uh, some effort in 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 the creating some research lab um, with, with the experience I, I got from Inesk. And so for that, of course, there were we. We were in the need of funding and teams, so I, I started writing uh, proposals in the European uh, Union because in '86, remember, we joined the European Union, and so I got my first European project back in 1993, and with that, I founded a research lab on computer graphics at Ischte, Tedetti, and the money came through. Yes, yes, <laughs> we got, we got, we started to get to and get some traction. 
and true, yeah um, <clears throat> so one of the things that uh, you told me the other day was that you guys were also at the forefront at of the very first uh, internet connections here in portugal with the first uh, broadband the broad broadband, broadband uh, yeah with a, specifically with a project which was the trans-european networks correct which was, uh, ip on top of atm mm-hmm. um so those were the days of True. the net heads versus the bell heads yes and you know I, i'm a telecom guy but mm. you know <laughs> it has been uh, quite a few many years since it yeah. uh, since i was studying atm and you know definitely atm is not is not as popular as it was back back in those days then i i, I just went through my notes and I, i found this very interesting wired magazine article about uh, atm technology and just have this excerpt here which i think would you guys will find useful because I think I've learned more about ATM in this article than I did <laughs> my course. Yes. <laughs> Now, maybe I'm not being so nice, but uh, <laughs> for the first time, I think I, think I, I got it. Mm-hmm. So, net hats versus bell hats. Uh, opposed to the bell hats are the net hats, the young Turks who connected the world's computers to form the internet. These engineers see the telecom industry has one more relic that will be overturned by the march of digital computing. The netheads believe in intelligent software rather than brute force hardware, in flexible and adaptive routing instead of fixed traffic control. It is these ideals, after all, that have allowed the internet to grow so quickly and that are being incorporated into the internet protocol. This is Wired Magazine, October 1996 and this words ended up being 96. Pro- very yeah. very prophetical in the sense that you know atm was uh very strong technology back in the day now there's nowhere to be seen ip has taken the world as we know um so you also and bought some of the very first silicon graphic workstations here in portugal well um for adeti yeah for the so first lab the, yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, Inesk, Inesk was the first, of course, and then oh, I, Inesk I, bought yes, the first. The fir- yes, okay. and then and then when I was there in eighty nine, ninety, ninety one, and then and then in ninety three, I started my own lab with uh, a lot of silicon graphics at Ishkne. They are so, in the museum now. They're in the museum, but back then they cost the top. a lot of money. Yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah. You needed a European project to to have right. one or two. Yes. And you bought what was then you told me the state of the art, the Irish. Yeah, I, you know. so do you have any funny story? Because yeah, have you seen the movie Billions on Netflix, the series? I'm uh, the 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 code that changed the the world. You, you... I think so. Billion, the code that changed the world. Yes, exactly. yes, yeah. Have yeah, you yeah, seen yeah. it? Yeah, they they speak about the. I, I knew that. I, I do know that project. I knew because you've heard about that project. Oh yeah, uh, okay. dur- during when it happened. Because I was still developing also at that time in Silicon Graphics. Okay. And so, yeah, so they used an Onyx, which was the top. I didn't have an Onyx. You didn't have the money. No, no, I almost. So uh, (laughs) I could have had an Onyx. What happened, happened, Miguel? (laughs) Well, at that time I had so many, actually, a lot of European projects. And it was a bit too much. And I, so I was, no, I don't need an Onyx. I'm, I'm... I'm enough with what with, with I have. So, yeah. So, I. So, you had like an, an Indy, Indigo, and Indigo 202, Indigo 2. They were also good. Not as good as an Onyx. Still. 
So in the late 1990s and early 2000s, uh, you took a bunch of students from my class. Uh, uh, so my class is yeah. a uh, class of telecom engineering, 1998. Yeah. Like Pedro Santos, Rafael Bastos, Antonio Calado, later on Rui Varela, yeah. to AR, VR projects. And you did have several breakthroughs, including the best demo at an international conference, uh, yeah. which was in Barcelona, if I'm not mistaken. The, the, the best time, no, that was in Darmstadt. That was in Germany. AR2 uh, 2002. That was the um, AR Toolkit workshop. It was the, the workshop of all the practitioners of augmented reality uh, back then. Augmented reality was starting in 1999. Yeah. Yeah. So I have the video here. This is the video from 2003. Yeah. When uh, we were after the prize. Yeah. After the prize. Okay. So in this video, it's in our lab. Uh, we have several of my colleagues, Pedro. This is you, of course. This is me. Yeah. Almost 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. This is Pedro. This is Pedro. And, and um, Picos, Rui Monteiro. And so you guys were using this AR toolkit which was not developed at uh, Ishkte, right? The, the the core library was... We started, we, we are looking at the AR Toolkit, yes. But then, uh, so th this was 2002, 2003. So I, I had a, uh, a lot of work in augmented reality until until 2005. And we developed our own platforms, uh, various, so we had uh, various master's thesis and PhD thesis. For example, Rafael Bastos did right. his PhD thesis in a novel a texture tracking system. And so we had our own technology, all based in um, graphical processing, computer vision, in C++, and um, yeah. So we were in the, in the front run. Miguel, in another universe, a parallel universe to this, you had a startup called Magic Reality. Yeah. Which is the name of the proto company that never made it into startup level here. Correct. In this, so, in this one. No. So do you think, universities like this entrepreneurial attitude more specifically from professors still because on, on the student level i think that might might be changing a little bit yeah. but from the, the professors themselves yeah so uh, we, we were we, we did some some um, not just re, uh, european projects we did some services we sold licenses of our software to dutch companies and and uh, german companies but we we didn't really accelerate the the you know the technology. In, we created the brand, magic reality, etc. Um, we had guys, the technology. Remember this was two thousand and three, two thousand four. Yeah, so four. Like yeah, almost yeah. twenty years ago. Exactly. And so we did not uh, did the, the last mile. So we were missing. You know, what, what do you think that still happens? Uh, that because universities don't encourage professors, don't give them space. You know, don't incentivize or don't create the the the, the infrastructure so professors feel okay. I feel that I have I can do this and I can stop my. Yeah, well, well I mean, the, the 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 university at that time was very supportive. Hmm. Okay, but there was a lack of I would say know how, know -how. Um, uh, yeah, know how on productizing, the, productizing. I think that's the because we had the context really. I mean, there was the market need was there. It was emerging. So after that, uh, augmented reality, um, you know, at some point was jumping, like today. 
but I think there was a lack of knowledge. All right. So in 2005, um, you ended up being invited to join Microsoft Correct. because they wanted to have an R&D center to do languages in Europe. Mm -hmm. You ended yes. up spending 11 years at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. How was that experience? was terrific. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was not 11 was, years in Tibet, for was, sure. was the best experience uh, I've had. I mean, I, I must be honest. Really? Really. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I was not expecting it. It was. Uh, the, um, I've, uh, so, um, with my agreement with Microsoft, I could continue with the academia uh, connection. And actually, I, I, I was an invited professor until 2012, and so I, I was still doing computer graphics, and so I could I could have a little bit of both worlds. But then I met the the corporate world where we have, uh, you know, different structure, different uh, critical mass, more impact. So uh, we we were developing um, we were developing teams. So we were a part of the, the speech group, and we were developing components of, of Microsoft products that went into the market. So the to the global market. So we yeah. were not doing. So we were, uh, for example, we had a project at some point where we developed 12, uh, 12 European languages, and and some variations, uh, including the uh, the uh, the European Portuguese and Brazilian Portuguese, in the speech synthesis and speech recognition, for Microsoft products. Okay. So for people that don't know the difference, speech synthesis is text to speech so from written text to pronunciation of a synthetic voice right. okay so we we write phrases and a, a synthetic voice pronounces those phrases with the correct sounds okay that's speech synthesis uh, and and then speech recognition is from the spoken form of the language into the written form of the language okay so that's what people have on their phones nowadays correct um, Microsoft kind of killed their phone project early on. I don't the know, operating system that yeah. was yeah, 2010, nine, ten probably. So eleven. It now seems that you know Microsoft arguably was on the, was at the top of natural speech recognition and generation back then. Yes. So it, was it it now seems that Google and Apple with Siri take the lead, mostly because of. The fact that they still have mobile integration and mobile is really the place where voice still has a huge impact. People are on the go. They don't have a way to kind of, you know, input their data. So they say, hey, Siri, why don't you do this or that? Yeah. Um, so hopefully Siri hasn't listened. She did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that's how good or mm -hmm. how bad it still works. So what happened here? Well, I'm, I'm, I was uh, I, I was I, I was a director, right? I was not the, the designing the corporate strategy. But my interpretation was that at some point, um, the, as you said, the, the biggest scenario for speech is, is mobility, okay? Uh, you, you speak to a phone or you receive some uh, voice, uh, you communicate via, via the phone. So you, it's not so evident that you would do that to a desktop or, or, or even a tablet. Uh, only for accessibility, it's very needed. So... Uh, and then Windows Phone was gone because the, the penetration in the American market was very low. Very low. And that's why. So Microsoft does not 
still doesn't support uh, you know they don't products want, they don't want to be in second place right never right. and so and so and th- that's why and so uh, the um, uh, that impacted my 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 group as in my my reflection okay I, I, I never spoke with the vice president about this but it was a vice president that decided to stop the Portuguese, the european speech uh, operation um and and uh, and turned it into china and america where Ten years before, I did the opposite, right? So I, 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 I was delocalizing the speech development from China and, uh, and America regarding European language to Europe. Right. So they decided the, the opposite. For, for that, probably. So for mm-hmm. just corporate um, decisions. And s- why did they decide to, you know... Um, well, actually, before that... Being an outsider, you were telling me about the power of being an outsider because you came totally from computer, computer graphics, graphics and you augmented reality, no research, virtual reality, research in, zero in voice and and recognition. So, how was that actually a good thing um, for you? Yeah, and it, don't you think that often in scientific research you you still tend to work very much in self-contained silos? So people doing research in X, they will hmm. go with people in research in X right. and this cross-pollination would actually be beneficial if, if you allow different yeah. uh, people, different areas to research on others. Yeah, I, I do believe it. And, and actually, in, in, in Ishkita, we find that because we are, we are a social science university with, with technology, right? right? So we have sociology, social psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the technology, engineering, architecture, management. So we have this culture. And so I, I have a bit that culture too, mm-hmm. uh, mind you. So in fact, when I joined Microsoft, I, w- I was a computer graphics person, and I had to uh, liaise with uh, computational linguistics and linguistics in one hand, and speech scientists in, in the other hand. And there was a, a tension back then at that time between those two. Communities. Oh yeah. So there was even some sayings. Some speech scientists would say that <laughs> on, on the speech technology, whenever they fire the linguist. The, the, the speech quality. recognition uh, <laughs> accuracy improved ten percent. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that that was this time, but but it was a bit of a joke. But right. th- there was some tension. So I was there in the between, and I was able with to speak with both sides right. and created a team. My team at Microsoft. Uh, uh, in the end, we were like thirty five, and we had uh, software engineers and computational linguists. And one of the computational linguists that you hired was uh, Daniela Braga. Daniela Braga was right. leading, was well, not just one, was and leading sh- the the, lingu- the computational linguistic right. teams at, at my... At and the, in 2008, Microsoft. you hired them. And yeah. of course, she eventually went on to become the founder of Define AI. Yes. And very successful. Very successful company. Mm-hmm. Probably our next unicorn. Let's hope so. <laughs> Let's <laughs> hope so. So while she was doing her PhD... Um, I, and she was doing linguistics. Uh, do you remember yeah. interviewing with such a strong personality? Oh like yeah, <laughs> of course. Okay. <laughs> you, you know Daniela too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Not so very well. right. So when, since I was uh, a neutral, so I, I I needed to to meet the the community. So I I went into there was Linguateca, which were they had a, a year yearly uh, event. This was organized by Daniela, the Diana Sanch that I met because she was right. also my and colleague this was master. Here in Portugal. Portugal, Portugal yeah. And Diana Sanch, uh, computer scientist. Th- does very, it still happen? No, yeah. that that one I don't think so. But it was very active back then. So that was a conference. 
Yeah, a gathering with, with you know, the tutorials. power of conferences, guys. Yeah, the power, really, yeah. <laughs> Gatherings, Gatherings, short, short courses, keynotes. True. No, and I met all the community, you see, yeah. and I met Daniela. I met Daniela, and Daniela was very interested in, in the, the endeavors I had, which I wanted to develop the a Portuguese uh, voice, the Microsoft Portuguese and Brazilian Portuguese voice, two voices. And she knew was knowledgeable about the technology because she did her PhD in the, the, the Portuguese synthetic uh, te uh, text-to-speech synthesis of European Portuguese. And so, uh, and so, yeah, I hired her. It was, it was uh, terrific, yeah. And so she did the wonderful job. And she liked the, the company. She invent, eventually went into work with my colleagues in China first, and then in Redmond. And at some point, we were colleagues, okay? So we worked because she, she was based in Redmond in the same team I was. We were really colleagues, peers, at, during some years. Uh, and then she left Microsoft and she... We were like peers until she left Microsoft when she created the um, Defined Crowd first and then Crowd AI. Do you remember how, I mean, she pitched you Define, uh, so I Define met her AI at any point? It was like having any any ideas of becoming an entrepreneur? or Yeah, you know we, did. we did. We did a lot of conversation, but uh, that's probably another story. Another story. Yeah, so another long story. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, Microsoft decided to close the the, the R and D here in Portugal. Of course, Microsoft Language Development Center. Uh, you know the the crisis of two thousand and eight uh, happened. Uh, you were telling me the other day that Steve Ballmer was actually here in Portugal when the day that the Lehman Brothers went down or something like that was happening. Yeah, um, and you know back in the day that was probably bigger than COVID for for lots of companies. They yes, um, and. You know, long long story short, um, after Microsoft closed the operation here in Portugal, you decided or you were invited to join uh, ADEN. Mm -hmm. ADEN is the Portuguese energy agency. Mm -hmm. And you joined as a board member, uh, which is, um, I guess, you were voted a board member. How does it work? How does it work? So uh, going a little, uh, if you allow me, Andre. Sure. So, of course, my operation stopped in 2016, right? The the, the crisis was 2000, was before, uh, but but that impacted a lot, 2008, Microsoft. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that Microsoft fired ever in January 2009 mm -hmm. uh, out of the Lehman Brothers, but then it, it recovered. Of course. But yeah, uh, on, uh, in 2016, the operations were 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 were, were closed, uh, and then I was um, I was inv invited to to be a part of a, a list that was voted in the general assembly to be the the next board of, of then the the vote was in the late 2016. This, I think it was December. I I joined in January. So, the, because this this is a hybrid association, so the the board is voted by the general assembly. So that was the process. So that's how you started there. Yeah. Um, and also, one of the things that you brought in was that you started to understand that you could disrupt what is essentially a public agency with mm -hmm. the power of tools like design thinking, service design, business model yeah. generation. Right? How did you? came into contact with these new tools well first you know um so I, w I was of course i was invited by um, a very good friend of mine that uh, jean paul girbal that was the president of, of the team 
and me and Jean-Paul Girbal and, and, and uh, Paul Tomás, we came from the private sector uh, at that time. And uh, Maria João and Manuel Boya were uh, the other uh, colleagues that were more in, 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 the, in the agency type of, of activities already and, and governmental. And so we had a mixed vision of, of public administration and private sector. And so we realized that uh, we could... Uh, uh, we we could do some 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 bettering some uh, improving efficiency, uh, and we did some restructuring. Um, we changed. We, it was a one hundred person uh, agency. We changed the positions of fifty half of the persons. Changed, moved, uh, and and one of the the, the restructuring was in the uh, direction of creating an innovation group, an incubation group, and an operations group. So. We were doing a, a pipeline where uh, we were thinking uh, of uh, the the innovations of to mid of long uh, mid to long term that the operations would put into 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 the society, because the agency operates some s s public services. So we were thinking of uh, of how to think of the future of those services and even um, accelerate incubating and accelerating new services which we did and so uh, on that on that restructuring with these three groups plus some support units we were we thought that to accelerate innovation design thinking and service design would be design sprints type of methodologies were were the best and actually we 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 counted with with you with productize uh, help at that time and yeah. uh, there are some products over there now uh, in in the market today that resulted from that initiative. Yes, that's correct. Um, and again, once once your tenure with with Aden uh, was over, you came back to the academia. Correct. Um, but you were also one of the founders of uh, E Star and uh, or I Star in two thousand and fourteen. Um, Correct. And a coordinator of the, the so-called Digital Living uh, Spaces group there. Um, but my question, why did you have to change Adeti to Eastar? What's the story there? Okay, so yeah, it was... Uh, so so uh, you see, I, I maintain while at Microsoft, since because I left in 2016, I always maintain my liaison with Ishkte, mm -hmm. especially in the innovation and research. This was a strategy of the university. Uh, Adeti was a um, um, association, a non-for-profit association, and now the strategy was to consolidate all the research in Ishkte, which happened also in other universities. It was a natural consolidation activity, and so I was, of course, uh, since I was a defender of the research at Ishkte, mm -hmm. I was also one of the founders, along with the. Uh, Nun Guimarães and Fernando Britiabrio. So that's essentially a rebranding. Same people. Cur well, we, we increased people. So we 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 uh, we were joined with the mathematics department and the architecture part of the uh, the architecture department, the, the part that is interested in in digital technologies. Right. You, so we joined. So we enlarged. It was a, a larger operation. And you are also collaborating actively with the social. Digital Associated Lab, which was Correct. founded, you know, last Ye this year. Yeah, so that was a different operation. Yeah, so six yeah. research units of Ishkte Correct. To coordinate the digital transformation thematic lines of, um, you know, what wh what is exactly the, the yeah. because this this had lots of me media uh, exposure, 
but can right. you give us a, a perspective? So yeah, so I, I'm as as, as we I mean I'm always fond of um, um, intersectorial you know multi interdisciplinary research you know that that's evident, and here uh, at Ishkte there was an opportunity one year ago to bid for Ishkte as a whole to become an associated lab. There were already uh, at that time around 30 associated labs, and so there was an increase, and we, we won. So because if we bind together, we, we are around 400 professors, researchers, okay? Uh, and and uh, joining hands, we, we, we are in the the top of, 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 the, of the Portuguese associated labs also. So that was, and of course, uh, but in the area of social sciences and technology. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk a little bit about future trends. Um, yeah. Why? So you were telling me the other day that it is becoming rather difficult to do research in computer graphics at the university. Because in many universities they stop teaching C plus plus dash OpenGL uh, or you know uh, some of these graphic libraries that are using rather uh, you know low level dash high level languages uh, right. like like C plus plus but very close to the metal. What do you think universities can do about this? Well. Um I'm I'm speaking especially of of the Ishkte case. I mean, we we still have uh, very good practices in other universities like Technico, uh, but at Ishkte, uh, no, yeah, there was, um, uh, a, uh, in my opinion, uh, a step back in 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 the good strategy. I think the the baseline for um, uh, computer graphics and and the the basic uh, libraries and including C plus plus programming is a must. If you want to be competing in the research, um, uh, in, in the world research at, at the highest level. So we will probably evolve in that direction. Mm -hmm. What are your research topics nowadays? Well, so my students uh, currently are uh, students, um, uh, mind you, that uh, with, with my, my um, ex, uh, you know, experience in, in Microsoft, I was, I was doing uh, a lot of data, data science, data collection, data annotation. So I have students now in the data science area um, and uh, do, working uh, closely with, with some colleagues, for example, Jean-Carles Ferreira, uh, that, um, with whom I share various master students uh, and, and PhD students uh, also. Uh, yeah, so there, there is this new trend of data science and, and I'm following the wave too. Data science. And Correct. do you think that students, you know, young people today have a passion for, um, for science? Is data science something which is specifically data science, something that is attractive to them? Is it easy to capture students to this topic? Of well, you know, um, we have had a very good experience. So Ishkte started, uh, this is the third year of our degree in data science, the first in Portugal. And so it's actually a degree. It's a degree. So it's the first in Portugal. Along with computer Three. science and telecommunications. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a degree. But it's not an engineering degree. It's a data science degree. Okay. Right. Data so we have a data science degree. And this is the final year. We, should, we are we putting put into the, the market. We're going to put the link also. Yeah. On. And so this was an innovation, of course, in Portugal. 
-hmm. okay that was followed by some other universities successful it is it is we are uh, so we we got we got a lot of students uh, and uh, now now they are excited because they are going to do their first project with companies and uh, one will be for sure defined ai that we spoke of i already spoke with uh, uh, João Freitas about this, mm-hmm. the CTO. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we are really... Because, you know, before us, there were there, there was data science as a post-grad or a master's. This was the first degree, okay? So. Yeah, and it, it looks awesome. I didn't actually know about that. Okay. I'm going to have a look. So tell me about your recent visit to Ecole 42 here in Lisbon, uh, which was you know, at the, the, the Portuguese franchise, which w- was launched by Pedro, Professor Pedro Santa Clara. Yes. Why did you go there? And do you think that this is the future of education? So no professors, mostly, you know, peer-reviewed and so on. Yeah. So so maybe we could we could tell the the, uh, the, the people that are hearing us, which yeah. is this. Because what is a call card? Yeah. Do you want, do you want to, to yeah. do it? I can, I can okay. do it, yeah. So, uh, so, 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 Ecole uh, 42 school is um, a, a different uh, approach to currently teaching code, okay? It's a program that lasts three years, but it has a, a first three months period of uh, uh, eligibility for the program. F- for us to have an idea, so in Portugal, it started um, last year. With 2,000 applications, reaching to 300 uh, students currently enrolled. I had actually had a lunch today with a friend uh, that is employing someone that is just coming out, coming out of the call current, just with one year. Yeah, so it's it's in the mean. Yeah, I I know. So they they actually incentivize people to go work as soon as they they can, if I understand right. Yeah. And he was telling me, this guy is great. This guy is yes. like one of my best employees, o- yeah. only 19 years old. This, this is interesting great. because, uh, I mean, this, it's a totally different, it's, it's you know, a, a disruption, really. I mean... It, it, but are you a believer? Because I if mean, you are, I, then I, your I, job is at stake, at least your it is professor job. Well, yeah. I mean, we need to rethink about this education. It, we need to look at these experiences and it's we should because they really uh, are, are an interesting example of a different way because, yeah, the students have a good platform and they, they it's kind of a game where they engage in, in the challenges which are project-based, um, you know, uh, singular or in, in groups. And uh, uh, the, in, in fact, as, as Peter Santa Clara was telling me, they learn how to learn over there. The the evaluation is a peer review. Don't reviewed. they learn how to learn at at the data science course that you're giving at Ischgl? Also, but here too. So that's the thing. I mean, this is this is something to look at because it works too. It's not that the other methodologies don't work, right? But uh, mind you, there are some differences here. We are f- funneling from to 20,000 to 300, whereas in the public uh, system, it's different. You know, the scenario, it's not exactly the same. It's not. It's but, but, but it's an interesting, uh, you know, project-based, peer-review-based yeah, and, you know, teaching. It's probably good to have diversity of models as well. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. Um, so... Going back to um, human-computer interaction yeah. are, and virtual reality, which has been your thing for many, many years, yes. and you were doing virtual reality back in the 90s. Yes. Uh, 
when mm-hmm. it was cool, then mm-hmm. it stopped be cool, and now it's cool again. So exactly, yeah. Uh, are you bullish into the the whole metaverse bandwagon? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a more I'm more of a believer of augmented reality, to, to be honest, than, than virtual reality. Okay, I, I I believe that we 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 prefer myself. We prefer real settings that are enhanced than going into purely virtual settings. That's for start. Although, however, I see some benefits because sometimes there are scenarios where it it, it would be nice to have purely synthetic, and the the technology is, is improving. Um, yes, and it's also very you know popular, and you can have it in a smartphone. Everybody has a smartphone, right? Uh, well, but I'm more into the augmented reality believer than virtual reality believer. But do you see the scenarios with augmented reality that we have right now? Working already. I mean, people have been using it for, you know, not so useful stuff like Pokemon Go and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not like, oh, what are you using? Oh, I'm using my yeah. augmented reality Why to be- do something be- which is really useful to my life. Like you are using okay. you know, Google Sheets or mm. whatever it is. I, I I think there there are the there there are nice scenarios in in the teaching learning the learning teaching. Sorry. Uh, because you could you could you could have uh, you know more flexible scenarios to teach you know all kinds of, of stuff where it will be nice to have a mixture of real and, and virtual settings um, and so I, I believe in the, in the teaching mm. and and also in the industrial settings uh, uh, also some some very nice scenarios. yeah one of the biggest purchases um, of augmented reality uh, goggles has actually been, uh, the U.S. Army. I think yes. they bought uh, thousands to Microsoft. Microsoft HoloLens. HoloLens. I'm mm-hmm. not sure okay. what they're actually using those for, but we can Sim- we can simulation guess. of um, probably uh, fighting scenarios, battlefield conditions. Mm-hmm. So you have also been actively co- collaborating with the Digital Innovation Hub AI for PA, which is, which stands for Artificial Intelligence for and Public Data Administration. For public administration. Yes. Uh, Portugal Innovation Hub, which was recently approved by the Ministry of Economy here. Exactly. Um, so, what's your idea? Um, are you trying to create something in the lines of AI for public administration, like yeah. a low-cost data-centric consulting lab for public administration to promote public policies? Yes. So, this this innovation hub goes into the line of the Social Digital Lab too. Okay, it gathers the the best of ISCTE. Uh, with with the, the expertise in public uh, policies and public administration, and with with the know-how of data science, to to help uh, the public administration, so um, so the the local and, and central, in in uh, driving policies based based on data, and and I give you the, for example the example of then I mean I was there I in in the context of uh, innovation group we created a small data science team and our idea was to leverage the public uh, data of energy efficiency of buildings energy consumption electricity and gas energy consumption water consumption uh, in of course subject to the RGPD of course um, to to deploy that to the uh, to the economy and to the and to the academia and society to improve policies, right? And, and because policies need to be data backed. We believe well. Ishkte believes so. So that's mm-hmm. our the, the uh, you know but innovation. Do, do governments actually believe so? And if they sometimes they do, but they just don't act as 
they speak not yet like they don't yet not yet because of lack of of, of know-how so they right. don't really understand the power and the trend so that's why this lab think uh, plans to to do training to do uh, experimental exercises before going into production to teach the really teach the the public agencies uh, central and, and and local how to handle with these huge data sets for the benefit of the society and in line with the directives of the European Union recent directives in in the availability of public data for the society at, well. uh, at large public good that's that's something has been in a north star in your Uh, public and professional life for the last 30 or more years hmm. so which books are you recommending your friends to read Neil? can i yeah, yeah go on yeah so um okay well um well i would uh, i would recommend to 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 um uh to read the biography of steve jobs hmm. for okay. starting because i mean is uh Why? Because the, are, you, are you recommending that book to your students as well? Yes, yes, yes. Because he is a person different from from the mainstream, right? He, he was not a believer in in the market studies. He had his instinct, his guts, his strong beliefs, and he was uh, stuck into that. And and it, it worked. He created various industries, and they all worked. So it's a good, it's an extremely good example how to how to. Go beyond yourself, and so he had he had this notion of reality distortion field, which is interesting. Where he believes that uh, once one oneself, everybody can can um, exceed him or herself. It's possible. We have our limits, so he believes that we could bypass our limits. Go beyond. Your Go limits. beyond your limits. So I would say that, and and then, um, oh, you, you know, I would also recommend from uh, if you like history from. Um, Arari Yuval Noah Arari Sapiens. Sapiens. That's a classic. That's you know yeah, the first yeah. Yeah, guest no, to, I know, I know. Yeah, to yeah. Uh, recommend that. Book. You have also Amodeus, which is more a visionary, but uh, Sapiens, I think, is uh, uh, yeah. Those, those are two to, to best. Uh, then, if, tech, I mean, professionally, if you're into design thinking, there are a couple of books that I would recommend to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, I also found interesting that you recommended uh, Sentir e Saber, Caminho da Consciência by Professor Antonio Damasio. Yes, Lutor, yes, Antonio. that I would also, if you're, because, I mean, uh, Antonio Damasio. Are, are you into neuroscience yourself? Well, I mean, I find very interesting uh, because he, he always goes beyond the current knowledge that we have of our uh, process of uh, um Cognition, perception, and consciousness too. Uh, and what I found interesting is that recently, like a few years ago, and I, I, I knew that from his book, um, uh, there are some ne neurons that map the 3D environment. Okay, so there uh, the 3D the scanning tr neurons. They do. <laughs> it's, it's called the grid cells. The The grid, grid, the cells, grid yeah. cells, and there are also okay. place cells that are activated if we go to certain places. But grid cells are activated in the Cartesian um, reference frame, so it's like a 3D reconstruction. So he, he claims that what we see is that because we are reconstructing in neural networks uh, in 3D. So I uh, and things like that. I mean, uh, you should read the book. I should definitely read the book. You should. We, we we strongly recommend you do as well. Yeah. 
Biel, I think this was a great, great conversation. It was great having you with us. Okay, thank you. Um, so let me just tell you, thank you. Thanks also for joining us at Productize Podcast. If you enjoyed staying with us, you can subscribe to our Spotify channel, which is growing like fire, and share this episode with friends and colleagues. You also have show notes and more episodes at productize.media.com, and we're going to publish a very lengthy um recap of this uh of this episode with all the links that we talked through and some of this very interesting videos that we have seen this is true history in the making or it was back then so next week next podcast we'll be speaking with joel montenegro he's the co-founder and head of product design at ubo so if you're curious join us live on the 15th of december at 5 p.m west so this podcast was hosted by me, André Marquet. It was produced by my colleague, Teresa Sigismundo, with research by Katrina Schirsik and sound editing by Miguel Souza. Thank you.